With that said, let's bring in our guest for this episode, Mr. Alex Clancy from the Locked on Cardinals podcast. Great podcast. I've done some shows with Alex in the past uh, for like our draft party and our uh, we've also had him on for like the schedule release. Alex is a very opinionated Cardinal cover. He, he uh, you follow him on Twitter and I love it personally. Me and Alex the other day had a had a love moment. Uh, where where we just saw eye to eye on the camera <laughs> what the topic was, but um, it, it's Alex has a very passionate fan base, which is what I love, and it's kind of how the Cardinals fan base rolls. There's times where you see people just riding with Alex, like I do, and then there's times, and I I get this way too. We're like, I'm gonna mute Alex because he's pissing me <laughs> off. Um, I actually got a text one day from a buddy, and he goes, and Alex, I didn't share this with you, but he goes, who's this Alex Clancy? And I said, oh, he's been locked on. You know, he's great. He goes, I don't like him because he's he, it was it was after the uh, – what game did we lose last? Um, Rams. The Rams. Yeah, it was after the Rams game. And, and he was – one of my buddies was uh, not a fan of yours with the, the harsh takes you had, which we're going to get into right now. But, Alex, uh, thanks for having you – or thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, of course, man. We have more than a couple moments of seeing eye to eye, buddy. Oh, I'm we're going to touch on a few of them right now. Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. Do it. We, I think you and I actually see eye to eye a lot more than, than we don't. So, um, and I think for Cardinal fans, as you listen to this, it's, it's one of those things like, yeah, Alex is negative, but I'm negative too. And you should, you're allowed to be negative as a fan. Like, I think, I think people get too stuck on, oh, if you say something negative about the team, well then go cheer on another team. No, you, you can have expectations for your team. Over in Carolina right now, they have no expectation for their team. That's not fun. So ultimately, but I want to dive into this. On Sunday, um, Alex, we saw Kyler Murray get visibly frustrated. And I'll be honest, I didn't see this footage. I had heard about it. We had talked about it on our post-game pod, but I didn't get to see it. I was a little busy with our little party we were putting on. But um, it seemed like it was centered all around the play calling and, and the calls not coming in quick enough. Um, I saw you tweeted out the video. That's where I found it today. And... Then I saw the second video. So I saw the video you tweeted out, which was, I don't know which feed that was, but it didn't show Cliff's response to Kyler getting pissed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Cliff's response was like, no poop. Uh, and <laughs> and fired back at Kyler. What, what do you make of this? We keep talking about this Kyler-Cliff relationship, and, and I almost feel like it's centered around, like, that's the problem. That these two, it is not a mentor to mentee. It is almost like two peers, and that's the problem. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Cliff, and, and there are conflicting reports on why Cliff Kingsbury was hired. If Cliff Kingsbury was hired to not coach Kyler Murray, that makes it even more of a question of why is he here. You know, like, he brought Kyler Murray in. He's supposed to be the Sherpa to the mountaintop that is being an elite quarterback for Kyler Murray, and I think he's doing an okay job, but I think that he's – one of my things that I say that, you know, upsets people like, and I don't say things to upset people. I don't say things for clicks or anything like that. Kyler Murray wins in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that's what it's been pretty much since Kyler was drafted. And I think now Cliff's expecting Kyler Murray to be at a specific spot in his plight to be a great quarterback. And I don't know if this is going to become an oil and water situation, but I don't think, I think that, you know, it, this was one thing that happens a lot with coaches and, and players, and we don't see it cut on tape all the time, but this was Kyler Murray like, let's hurry this the hell up. And Cliff's saying, I'm trying to, but it's not working. And 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 I don't know what it is, man. I don't. I don't know if it's on Kyler. I see the fan base really kind of turning 
on Kyler. It's one or the other. This offseason was a confirmation bias for the front office or Kyler Murray. If, if you sided with them before, you sided with your side even more after this offseason and the start of this season. So I don't know what the hell it is, and I think that's a big problem with all of us covering the team or being fans of the team is we don't know what's wrong. It could be so many different things, and you could have – there's sectors of the fan base that blame a specific entity over others. Uh, Followed up on this, uh, Alex – you have a pin tweet on your Twitter, and I think it, it touches right on what you're going with right now with, with that response is it's the offense. If the offense isn't the strength of the Arizona Cardinals, why is Cliff Kingsbury here? And I, I just think when I read that, I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, we, when we talk about this, I've dubbed Cliff the offensive or the coaching offensive guru. And ultimately, this team, and as I get into Steve Kime a little bit, Clearly, he pushed all of his eggs in the offensive basket after spending a few years of drafting top, you know, what he felt was top talent in the early rounds of the draft for the defense. Decided, you know what, let's go all in offense. You look at the Bills, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Rams, you look at a lot of these teams. Now they do have defensive, better defensive parts, but you look at them offensively, it's high scoring. The rules have now totally catered to the offense. When you look at all of that and, and you kind of see like that's what the Cardinals were trying to do. Um, Looks like they've swung and missed a little bit, but with your pin tweet there, I, I mean, you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. And this is something that um, I wish wasn't true. You know, I, I don't want to be discussing a lot of topics that I've discussed on the podcast and Twitter and stuff. I want Cliff to succeed. I do because it's better. I mean, selfishly, it's better for business. If you're talking about yeah. positive things, you're talking about <laughs> things working in cohesive units, but I find that with Steve Kime as the puppet master, people are starting to have Stockholm syndrome for what's going on in Arizona. And it's like a lot of what happens doesn't make sense. And, and Cliff Kingsbury seems to be the face of that. And, you know, I, I tweeted out over the weekend that the Cardinals defense has been the strength since 2019. And I got, you know, some stuff back and with numbers and everything. And from 2019, they haven't been on the field for over half the game. Time of possession is and it's not that they were scoring a lot. Time of possession is a huge thing. And I feel like the stability from this organization is on the defensive side of the ball, led by Vance Joseph. And it's Vance is getting a lot of flack. And this is kind of another storyline where Vance is going to be the scapegoat if things go wrong, because he wasn't given any new tools, anything except for the except for Steve Kimes draft capital that hadn't really panned down in the positions they were sent to play. Things have gotten a lot better. And you could say chicken or the egg. Is it Zayvon Collins getting better? Or is it Vance Joseph elevating the talent that he has on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, these are just constant storylines that, that we're discussing and people are picking sides. They're not meant to be debatable. We just don't know what the root of the instability at times is. And I think Cliff, me personally, I just don't think he elevates the talent that he has. Well, and that's – okay, so defensively on my side, I, I kind of felt like Vance has had the same problem. He's not really developing talent either. Now, mm. I think he's making the most – out of the other depth around that talent for a minute. I almost thought this was like a real life money ball where Kime decided I'm not going to give you any pieces. I'm going to trade Hicks away or, or let Hicks go. Uh, and I'm going to, to basically leave you with the guys I drafted because I keep getting hit for, for the negative criticism of my draft picks, but you're not playing them either. So ultimately how am I supposed to get the recognition 
if these guys are riding on the pine. So I almost felt that's where we were going. And uh, I was saying the same thing, that, that Vance was going to be the scapegoat if this thing goes sour, which right now through through four games, it's it's hard to see where we're at. I mean, with all things considered, this looks like a really bad football team that's been able to muster two wins. Um, but, you know, I did have to recant a little bit after Sunday. I felt like the defense did all that you could ask of them. And they did all that you could ask of them against the Rams as well. Like if the offense mm-hmm. just would have moved, then then this team could have could have won that game as well. But um, let's talk about a bright spot on, on the offense. Yeah. Hollywood Brown, you know, you traded your first overall pick for him this year. A lot of fans were like, yeah, he needs help. He's going to need, or Kyler needs help. He's going to need more receiver help. And when the trade happened, there was a lot of talks of Hollywood Brown with the dropsies and uh, just just not being a, a, a definite number one receiver. I think a lot of people looked at him as being a number two. But these past couple of games, from the targets that he's seen, the receptions he's pulling down, the yardage, the, the scores, Hollywood Brown, I mean, with Hop waiting in the wings, you almost look like you got two number one guys. What, what do you think about Hollywood Brown and the difference that's made for Kyler Murray? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like, that's like, oh, okay, it works. It's one of those things where it's not like, you know, a first date spark, and then you go out a couple more times, you're like, nah, wasn't really what it was like on the first date. Like, he caught a touchdown pass against Kansas City, even though it was in garbage time. It was caught in a tight window towards the back of the end zone, like a Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett kind of area of, of the back of the end zone. And then... Week two with the Rams, you know, I was sorry, week two against the Raiders, he got his targets. And then week three, you know, we saw what happened in week three. And then, you know, week four was like, as much as I don't like the third and goal, you know, back shoulder Christian Kirk throws to the pylon, like he's now caught two of those that were very difficult catches, one against the Raiders on fourth down that should have been a touchdown. And the other one that was a touchdown last week, like that's, that works. And my biggest issue with them, it was never about, them trading for Hollywood Brown. It was the fact that they needed O-line help, edge help, uh, linebacker help, and corner help way more than they need wide receiver help. And we saw now that the offensive line help first round pick, Tyler Linderbaum was there. I know Rodney Hudson came back, but you could have played him at guard. You could have had him learn under Rodney Hudson. He's going to be a perennial pro bowler that they could have had to protect the inside of the offensive line for Kyler Murray. But Hollywood, it it works. And with DeAndre Hopkins coming back, it's going to open everything up. It'll kind of the only thing with Hollywood Brown performing so well is he shares an agent with A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and D.K. Metcalf. None of those guys played through their rookie-scale contract. So there's no way on this planet or another one where if this continues and he has 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns that he's going to play on his fifth-year option that Steve kind of picked up. Ain't no way. He's going to want a big-money deal. He's not going to get the Debo money. He won't get the A.J. Brown money, but he's going to get a lot of money, and then you're going to have to decide – are you going to pay $50 million between DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown next season? Like, cause that's a situation that they're going to be looking at in the face. And it will depend on if DeAndre Hopkins wants to restructure and retire a Cardinal, or you might have to say goodbye to one of them. Yeah. But I, I mean, think- this year that the, the bright spot is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's illuminating the offense because it's really the only thing probably aside from Zach Ertz and his consistent as gravity output that's, that's working, working. I, I think when they made that trade, it pretty much sealed the fate of DeAndre Hopkins and this team going forward, right? I, I think they got a little bit burned by that suspension, and 
Hopkins is, I believe he's on the other side of 30 now, right? And I think he's 30. I don't know if he's 31 30, yet, but I mean, but if, but there is a restructure possibility. Like if he wants to retire a Cardinal, if he likes living in Arizona, if he likes Kyler Murray, if he likes all these things, and if he thinks they can win a ring, he'll stay. Like, I think he's that kind of guy where it's like, the problem is they always love the money. It always yeah. comes down to the, any player. It comes down to the kizash. But well, and he's a one percenter too. Yeah, Andrew Hopkins is a one percenter when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, last question for you: yep. uh, After the Niners knocked off the Rams on Monday, uh, the Seahawks putting up big points against the Lions and getting a W. Everybody sits a two and two in the division, which. I think when when week one ended, everyone was like, "Okay, this is a little funky," but ultimately, we're, people are going to separate here, and it's it's going to come down to probably two or three teams in this division. Um, we're a quarter of the way theoretically through the season here, so with that being said, looking at the division, what are you making out of the NFC West as a whole? It's been yucky so far. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's been it's been a yuck fest. Like the people are saying, the AFC is going to be the deepest. I think the NFC playoff picture is going to be the deepest. It's just going to be gross. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be watching a boring movie in science class as opposed to watching, you know, Disney on ice when you're 6 with like what the AFC is going to be. Yeah, but, you, you you think it is going to be a bunch of like 8, 9 and 10 win teams. Yeah, do. Like you pick one team that you trust in the NFC right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the the entity I probably trust the most is San Francisco's defense out of the mm-hmm. NFC like if you're going to pick one side of the ball that is consistent as gravity through four. San Francisco's defense has been that. And I think that they have an upgrade with Jimmy G as quarterback, at least the floor is higher. Like I'm picking at through four weeks. I think San Francisco win the division. I, I do. I mean, because it's boring on offense, they've got 48 running backs. They've got Debo Samuel and they've got the best defense, potentially one to 11. If you know, with, with health concerns aside in the NFL, like they, they scare me more than the Rams do right now. The Rams look like garbage against the Cardinals. The, the Rams could have put up a 30-burger against the Cardinals easy, but it doesn't seem like things are really flowing. Matthew Stafford looks yeah. terrible. You know, so how I make it, I hope that, like, the, the, the you know, all joking aside and, and all that stuff aside, Seattle's no longer two easy wins for each team. And I think that really throws a, a, a wrench into projections for the teams. Like, the Cardinals played the Seahawks two times in four weeks, I think. Two times in five weeks, I think it may go Philly, Seattle, New Orleans, Seattle. I I, I know it's right around there. Right. So those are no longer like, oh, cool, the Cardinals are going to win it. They're going to get at least two in the division. We have no idea. And you can say the same for the rest of the uh, division opponents. So it's a mess, but it's going to be fun as hell. That's uh, Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. Alex, appreciate you coming on. Get your uh, plugs in. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner, um, YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube comments are incredible just for fun reading. Just go to Lockdown Cardinals and watch these videos and look at the YouTube comments. I've got quite a following. It's fun. Well, and, and if you follow Alex on Twitter, uh, during the halftimes of every game, he does a really oh, good yeah. halftime show that that I've jumped in and and uh, love to take part of and listen to. So if, if you want some breakdown on the cards mid-game, definitely go check that out as well. So Alex Clancy, Lockdown Cardinals, thanks for joining, bud. You got it, man. Thanks for having me.